Good evening, and welcome to Fury Tales, the podcast dedicated to exploring human fears and their impact on storytelling through folklore, urban legends, and visual media. I'm your host, Paul Dennis, and I'll be taking care of you tonight as we take a seat inside Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria and learn the dark history of the five nights that one could spend at Freddy's. That's right, tonight we're diving into the digital world to discuss the world of Five Nights at Freddy's, its legacy and sequels, and how it's left an impact on the horror survival genre and created new opportunities for new jump scares. We'll take a look at the characters that inhabit this world, the lore behind the pizzeria, and the many other facilities that have come about from it, and take a look how it's impacted some of the real world and the fans that have clamored to this new type of horror. Now, grab a warm drink for this cool night, lock the doors, check under the bed, and in the closet. Settle into your favorite chair. It's time for another fairy tale. Mike Schmidt was struggling, finding a job to hold one over after college and before the real world reared its ugly head proved to be more difficult than he thought it would be. He scanned the newspaper front and back going over the potential short-term jobs to be had, when one caught his eye. Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. Mike recalled memories of his childhood when his mother would take him to Freddy's, when he was being particularly well-behaved, or his father wasn't in town. The lights and sounds and music came rushing back to him, and he circled the ad, intending to call. He did note that the job was for a night security guard, not his ideal position, but it was hard to turn down Freddy. The phone rang and a man answered, immediately handing over the job without an interview, only needing to know his name and age. The man and Mike discussed the terms of the job with the start date of November being set up. Mike agreed to the job, enjoying the knowledge that he'd be working at a childhood favorite and still have his days free. The next day came and Mike took a walk around the neighborhood taking in the sights of his childhood hometown, it even passed by Freddy's, marveling how the pizza place didn't seem to change at all. Passing by, not wanting to look like a weird adult hanging around a children's establishment, he continued his walk until a newspaper headline caught his eye. Murder case of five children reopens. The picture attached to the article was of Freddy Fazbear, the mascot of the aforementioned pizza place. Mike buys a copy, scanning the article, noting how a man dressed like Freddy Fazbear was using the mascot to lure children away from their parents. Days later, they would turn up dead. Mike grew nauseous and threw the paper away, knowing now why he had to wait for this to blow over and wondering if he made the right choice. Night 1 November 8th eventually arrives after a mostly uneventful summer and Mike arrives at Freddy's where a man sits waiting for him outside. The two converse, Mike discovering he was the owner of the place and that his shift would run from 12 to 6 a.m. every night. The owner hands over the keys, instructions that the previous night guard left a message on his desk inside, and issues a final warning to Mike that if he messes this up, he's out. 
Mike bids him a good night and enters. Nostalgia rocks his body like a tidal wave. Memories of sitting at the party tables with his mother and friends, eating pizza and watching Freddie and the band sing. He looks at the stage, counting off the three members of the band, Freddie, Chica, and Bonnie, then leaves, a smile on his face as he scans the rest of the building, finally finding the security office. He peeks in, finding himself alone as he expected, and walks in, somewhat annoyed by the sounds of the small rotary desk fan. He considers turning it off and decides against it, realizing how hot the small room actually was. A small beep catches his attention next, and he locates the answering machine on the far side of the desk. He hits play, and a voice comes on, echoing in the tight space. Hello? 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 Um, hi. I'm the old security guard at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. Hopefully you're getting this message. I need to explain to you what to do. Now I'm actually finishing my last week here. That's why you're getting my job. I got my hours changed to 8 to 11.30 p.m. since I didn't have to be up so late anymore. Sorry, that's your job now. Now, um, let me explain to you the basics so you can get through your first week. Now, on the table you're hopefully at, you should see a tablet. Mike looks and finds a large gray tablet sitting on the table. He picks it up and turns it on as the voice continues. If you see it, turn it on. The first thing you should see is a camera view of the main show stage, along with a lot of different square buttons on a map. Those square buttons are actually all security cameras that you need to check every now and then to make sure someone or something didn't break into this place. The map is actually a whole layout of Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, so you can get a pretty good idea of where things are. Now I know what you're thinking. Who in their right mind would sneak into a child's place of fun? People aren't the problem here. It's actually the animatronics. You know, Freddy and his pals. Mike's confusion grows with every word. He taps the screen changing his camera view and finds nothing. What I mean by that, the voice continued, is that the animatronics get a little quirky at night. They are left in some sort of free roam mode at night for some reason and walk around the whole building. They used to be able to do that during the day, but then there was the bite of 87. Yeah, I don't want to go in too deep into that, but let me just say that it's shocking that the human body can survive without the frontal lobe. Mike shivers at that. The tone on the man's voice almost disconcerting. I'm gonna move on now. Now the characters here, when you see you, will not see you as a worker because it's nighttime. They actually see you as an endoskeleton without its costume on. Now since that's against the rules here at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, I'll try to forcefully shove you into a Freddy Fazbear suit. Now that would not be so bad if it weren't for the suits being filled with animatronic devices and cross beams, especially around the facial area. So, um, you can understand that would cause a bit of discomfort and, um, death. The only parts of your body that would see the light of day again would be your eyeballs and teeth when they pop out the front of the mask. Mike was absolutely shocked now. He checks the camera once more to see that Bonnie was no longer on the stage. Fear and anxiety flood his nerves while he checks the rest of the cameras, finding Bonnie in the audience area. Mike watches the screen, listening to the man continue on. I just want you to know that there's really nothing to worry about. It may sound scary, yeah, but really, you'll be fine. Now let me explain to you what happens if a character gets too close to you. Next to you, there are buttons for each door. One for closing the door, and one for enabling the door lights. Mike finds the buttons and tests them out. He was right. The doors and lights would open and close and turn on and off at command. 
Another glance at the cameras reveal Bonnie in the hallway to the right of him. His finger sits on the button, ready to close the door. Frequently check those lights to see if a character is out there. Don't be worried at all, but if you ever do see a character, close the door. As soon as they are gone, you can open them back up. Also keep an eye on a specific character in Pirate Cove. He seems to respond if the camera is on or off it for too long. Just don't worry, you'll be fine. First day will be a breeze. Check those cameras, and oh yeah, make sure you don't run out of power. You only get a certain amount each night. Using all the appliances wastes more of it, so conserve it. Talk to you tomorrow. Good night. The message ends, and Mike checks the camera, noticing the power percentage there, sitting at 80%. He checks Pirate Cove, noting the closed curtain there, a new addition to the Freddy world. Pressing more of the screen, he tries to locate Bonnie, but the purple rabbit seems to be missing. Anxious, he presses the door lights. Nothing in the right. The left door light shines next, and there was Bonnie, staring right at him. He smashes the door button, closing it, and hearing a large thump before turning on the light, seeing nothing. He opens the door, and it's empty. Bonnie gone for the moment. The shift ends with only a few more close calls with Bonnie. The curtain at Pirate Cove opened just slightly, and Freddy and Chica remained on the stage. At 6am he rushes out, ready to get some sleep, and hope that this night was just due to exhaustion. Night 2 Mike arrives back at Freddy's after a restless day of sleep. He passes by the robots with only a brief glance, swearing to himself that they were staring right at him. The voice message machine blinks and beeps at him furiously, and he plays the waiting message. Hello, hello! Well, if you're hearing this, you made it to day two! Congrats! Um, there's nothing I really have to say tonight that emphasize the use of your door lights. There are in fact blind spots in your camera views, and those blind spots happen to be just outside your door. So just remember to check those frequently. Well that's it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night. Mike checks the door lights right away, finding nothing waiting for him, and the cameras show all members of the band in their spots. He checks Pirate Cove and the curtain is now open further, with some kind of dog-like figure standing behind it. Wanting to conserve power, he turns the cameras off, then turns them back on a minute later to see the curtain fully open and the figure standing outside of it. He can clearly tell it's a fox, and it's not as happy as the other robots. A camera check shows that Bonnie is no longer on the stage, and Mike searches for him, before he discovers the fox missing from outside the curtain. Panicking, he searches the cameras near Pirate Cove until he discovers the fox sprinting down the right hallway. He slams his hand on the door close button, terror gripping him as loud hammering rings into the room and footprints pound back up the hall. He checks the cameras, finding the curtain closed, and then turns off the tablet for a moment, looking to the left door and finding Bonnie staring straight at him. The door slams close again, a thump against the door, then silence. The night continues on with Bonnie stalking him, and the fox running down the hallway one more time. 6am arrives, and Mike leaves, avoiding looking at the curtain in Pirate Cove again. Night 3 The beeping of the machine wears on Mike as he settles into the now familiar seat behind the desk, bracing himself for another night. He presses the button and the voice comes playing through the speakers again. Hello? H hello? Wow, you made it to night three! Great work! Most people don't make it this far. I mean, they moved on to other things. I'm not implying that they died. Yeah, didn't mean that. 
Now, I don't really want to talk that much since Freddy and his pals become more active the further the week goes on. I should have told you that before, but I, uh, forgot. Sorry. Make sure you check those cameras while I talk just to be safe. Also, here's a tip I just came up with. If any of the animatronics see you and you can't close the door in time, just play dead, like, go limp. They'll probably think you're an empty costume. Then again, if you were an empty costume, they might try to put an endoskeleton into you. Don't know how that would work. Yeah, scratch that. Just don't get caught. Alright, well I'm done here. See you on the flip side. The message ends, and Mike checks the cameras only to find that every single camera was out. He presses the screen over and over, ready to check another outside camera when he sees them all light back up, and Chica is no longer at her post. Surprised, he goes through the motions of locating her, finding her in the audience area, staring directly into the camera. The cameras then flickered off again, leaving him without eyes to the rest of the building. After a quick check to the door lights reveals nothing, he tentatively checks the cameras again, finding them on and Bonnie missing as well. He locates Bonnie in one hallway and Chica in the other. Fear grips him and he realizes he's surrounded. The door lights come on at a press of the button and Chica is now staring into the room, twitching and fidgeting. Bonnie stands in the other, his mouth opening and closing. He slams the doors down and keeps them down, letting the power drain as he prays that nothing would happen. The hours whittle down, and noises rise up from behind the doors, until 6am finally arrives, and he is relieved by his boss. Mike rushes home, knowing sleep will evade him. Night 4 Mike arrives, eyes to the floor to avoid looking at the creatures in the eye. He enters the room and notices the mess, as if a tornado had blown through, leaving papers everywhere, the fan flung across the room, and a small crack in the tablet screen. He presses the play button as he begins to clean up. Uh, hello. Wow, day four, good job. The man sounded dull and non-quirky like he always was. Banging echoed in the background of the message. Hey, um, I may not be around to send you any more messages. It's been a bad night here. If you get the chance, can you check in on one of those suits in the back? I might be... The sound of a familiar tune cut him off. It was a tune that Freddy always used to play as part of his act. Could Freddy be doing something with this man? Oh no, he finishes. The message kept going as Mike hears the sound of the man and some other thing scream, along with a very loud cracking sound. It ends abruptly and Mike sits back in the chair, too shocked and dazed to even check the cameras, until he hears heavy footsteps moving down the hall. He rises up, heading out the door, ready to face the thing with terror and anger in his heart, then stops as he sees the source of the noise. Fear covers him as he sees the large shape, eyes white and large, mouth open and laughing. It was Freddy himself. Mike throws himself back in the room, hearing quicker footsteps on the other side of the room in the opposite hall. He slams the button down on the door behind him, trapping Freddy just as the fox appears. He manages to get the other door closed right as he sees the fox ready to spring, mouth open, and eyes wide and crazed. With both doors closed and the robots pounding away, Mike crawls under the desk and waits for the end to come as he drifts off, exhausted and terrified. He wakes to his boss shaking him awake, and telling him to head home. There had been an accident, and he should head home to get some rest. A recommendation Mike does not hesitate to take.
Night 5. Mike did not want to return to work. Everything inside him screamed against logic. Yet the need for money outweighed his sanity, and he arrived at 10 till midnight, ready to face whatever came at him. Another message was waiting for him, which surprised him considering the last one that was left. He hits play, and is only greeted by gibberish in a deep voice, much like Freddy's. The message was short, and Mike checked the cameras at the stage in Pirate Cove. All the robots were at their spots, and he wondered if tonight would finally be back to normal when the cameras went dark. Then the noises began. The sound of pots and pans rattling rang through to the room, making Mike tense up. The cameras finally returned and he checked to see that while Freddy was stationary, Bonnie and Chica were once again missing. The Pirate Cove curtain was also open. He ignored that and locates Bonnie on camera three just staring straight into the camera and into his soul. Putting down the tablet, he turns on the door lights, finding Chica right outside with her jaw hanging open. He's able to slam the door down, locking her out, when Freddy's tune comes on again. Mike looks in the cameras to find Freddy in the audience area. He turns the lights on, finding Chica gone, then turns back to the cameras to see her and Bonnie flanking the bear. Another shift in the camera shows the curtain in Pirate Cove wide open. Back to the trio to see the fox lying limp next to Bonnie before the cameras go dark and Freddy's theme growing slower and more demonic. The cameras return and Mike can see the whole gang again with a limp Freddy Fazbear suit and eyes poking out of the front of the mask. The cameras go dark again and the tune picks up speed again as footsteps close in onto the office at every angle. Mike closes the door as quickly as possible before blacking out in pure terror. He wakes up to banging on the door and checks the time, 6.55 a.m. The cameras, back on, show all the animatronics in their place. He breathes a sigh of relief, glad his boss is there to relieve him early. He opens the door, ready to greet the boss and be free, and stops short of breath at the sight in front of him. There, standing tall with eyes poking out of the front, is the same Freddy suit from the night before. He screams as the suit takes a step forward, and darkness engulfs him. And welcome back to Fairy Tales. So as you probably guessed, we're talking about the famed horror game survival horror franchise, Five Nights at Freddy's. And I actually have a special guest here today who knows a bit more about this topic than I do. Uh, say hello to my son, Oliver. Hello, everyone. Alright, so as I mentioned, we're talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, Five Nights at Freddy's was started in 2015 by a, a man known as, what is it, Scott Cawthon? Scott Cawthon. Scott, Scott Cawthon. Um, he started this as kind of a joke uh, because one of his games that he had produced, somebody left a negative review and said that the uh, main character kind of looked like one of those scary, a, a scary version of the animatronics at Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz Pizza, one of the kids' arcade places. So he decided that he was going to actually make a game based on that, and that's how Five Nights at Freddy's was born. And um, before Scott Coffin like start all these like horror games he made, he he first started as a cast register, and now he isn't because he started. This new job. 
Yeah, Scott created a lot of the uh, lore behind this, obviously, as the creator. Uh, we'll get a bit more into that. So let's talk about the actual games themselves. Uh, some of the characters, there are a few human characters in the game. Uh, the game is played in first person where you are a usually a night security guard and you're sitting on a desk and you have to survive the night from the animatronics that are wandering through the building and can come out and scare you and attack you. Uh, the first game, you, the security guard you play is the character of our story, Mike Schmidt. In the second game, it is Jeremy Fitzgerald. The third game, they didn't really give a name for the security guard. Uh, the fourth game, you're an unnamed child, and you're having nightmares about the animatronics. And your parents are home. Mm -hmm. And in Sister Location, it's a technician who his name is possibly Mike, but they call him Eggs Benedict as a joke. Um, one of the other human characters, uh, it changes from each game, but for the most part they call him Phone Guy. He's the one who calls in or leaves a message and tells the security guard their job, what each animatronic does. Uh, it changes from game to game. Sometimes it's on the phone, sometimes it's a recording, sometimes it's on a cassette tape. Uh, like in FNAF 6. Right, exactly. And in the first game, there's actually Night 4, um... You can hear that he gets attacked by the golden bear. Absolutely. That's actually what I was getting ready to bring up is that phone guy supposedly dies. And as you heard in the story, we kind of covered that um, and that his fate was relatively unknown. But we do think that he was stuffed inside one of the Fredbear suits. Because he got murdered by the golden Freddy. Mm -hmm. And then the last... Kind of human character, he's not human anymore, but he did start as a human, is William Afton, a.k.a. Um, Springtrap. And the purple guy. He um, passed away in the FNAF um, free ending because he decided to stuff himself inside the um, Spring Bonnie suit and passed away. Yeah. So now his spirit is said to possess all of the animatronics and his... He's most well known for being Springtrap in FNAF 3. So let's go into some of the animatronics as well. Uh, we talked about Springtrap, who is the main antagonist of number 3. But starting in the beginning, we had four main animatronics. We had Freddy Fazbear, Bonnie the Bunny, Chica the Chicken, and Foxy the Pirate Fox. Uh, and likewise, there was a fifth animatronic in the first game. You know who that one was? Golden Freddy. Yeah, do you know what he could do? He could go in your office and just kill you whenever he wants. You, there's mm -hmm. nothing to do. Yeah, and they said it was. It's possible. Like it just breaks the game. Like you have to restart the whole thing. And you don't it crashes. Dad got jump scared by him once, and mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. So in the second one, this presented toy versions of the main four: Toy Freddy, Toy Bonnie, Toy Chica, Toy Foxy. But Foxy was called Mangle, and why was he called Mangle? Because um. Well, his name was first um, Toy Foxy, but then the children, but there is a theory that it was first fixed, but then the child, like, t took off, like, the the suit parts, and yeah, they tried to fix it, but they it got kind of mixed up, the body parts, then the skeleton parts, yeah, and yeah, they left her, her there and called her, like, Mangle. Yeah, but it's also... Some people say it's like a 
she or a he. Mm-hmm. No one knows. Yeah, it could be. So, yeah, it is called Mangle because of the fact that it was just mangled up parts. And he was getting taken apart so much by the kids that they just left him there as a put-your-own-animatronic-together put attraction. Uh, two more animatronics made their appearance in this game. Uh, Balloon Boy and the puppet, also called Marionette. Uh, number three, as we mentioned, uh, the only new animatronic was Springtrap, although the original animatronics all showed back up as phantoms. They couldn't jump scare or end the game, but they could take out some of the main uh, systems that would help you defend yourself from Springtrap. Number four brought nightmare versions of the main four to haunt the small boy. Golden Freddy was also brought back, and it was then called Nightmare Fredbear. It's a little bit different. And then two other animatronics showed back up here, uh, Plush Trap and Nightmare. Nightmare is like this weird bear. No one knows what game he was from. He just appeared. Mm-hmm. And then the last major game was Sister Location, which got Funtime Foxy and Freddy, and then introduced Circus Baby, Ballora, Yendo, Lobbit, and Ennard. And there's a secret that Yendo, do you know where the room is Foxy then? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's actually another animatronic, Yendo. And instead of it being Freddy Fazbear's, it changed to Circus Baby's Family Power. Mm-hmm. So the games all center around the pizzeria called Freddy Fazbear's, which as I mentioned earlier is kind of a knockoff of Chuck E. Cheese, or back in the 80s, showbiz pizza. Uh, The lore about this is that this pizzeria was started up with these animatronic characters, and they were able to move around on their own. But But sometimes it did it at day, too. Yeah, it did it at day, until what happened, though? Because there was something happened that they weren't allowed to do it during the day. Um, The Bite of 87. So, the bite of 87 is when a child gets cl- too close to an animatronic, um, the animatronic would put its face near the child's mouth, head and then bite off the child's head. Mm-hmm. This actually had them disabling the ability for them to move around. They would perform as just standard animatronics during the day, but at night they had to go in the free roam mode so their joints didn't get rusty or anything, and this is why they needed a night security guard. Um, And then come to find out that something in their programming assumed that if they saw a human during the night, then it was an animatronic without without a skin on, so they'd try to stuff the human into a suit. Yeah, if the animatronics don't see you until a while, mm-hmm. um, they see you as a metal endoskeleton without a suit on. Yep. So there's some recurring themes that happen in each game. Uh, and these are lights, either lights on the doors or a flashlight. And in Sister Location, there's a flash beacon. Uh, every game has jump scares. Uh, usually when the character, the animatronic finally gets too close, it's a static... Something that happens on the screen, and it's a loud, shrill noise and meant to scare you as the player and indicate that something happened to the security guard. Uh, There's also some version of phone calls, as I mentioned, with either phone guy or in number three, it's the owners of the establishment calling you. Uh, Phone guy appears in number two through every night because that's the prequel to number one. Um, And then some of the cassette recordings. And then in each game, the location of the game actually closes down shortly after the events of the game. 
uh, due to different reasons. So these are all kind of recurring themes. So let's go ahead and talk about the games real quick. We have Five Nights at Freddy's, the original, which started it all off. This was released in August of 2014 for PC, and then came to phone shortly after, and it had pretty much all the basic things and set the precedence. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's 2 released in November of 2014, and it was a direct. It was actually a prequel to the first game, and discussed what kind of happened before they went crazy. Uh, the animatronics are faulty, and they actually have to roam around. And this is when they were roaming around during the day to find guests. But at night, there's no guests, so they go to wherever the closest human is, which happens to be the security guard on duty. Five Nights at Freddy 3 released in March 2015. That one's set 30 years after the first game, and it takes place at a horror attraction based on the pizzeria called Fazbear's Fright. In this one, we have to defend ourselves from Springtrap and the Phantoms pop up to disable things, and there are actually two endings, a good and a bad ending. So one of them is secret, and you have to, I think, complete all the mini games that pop up and then you get to see kind of the origination of the purple man and what happened to the kids in five nights at freddy's 4 released july of 2015 features a young boy being tormented by nightmare versions of the animatronics due to something that happened at the pizzeria and he only gets lights the doors and he has to depend on hearing because it's the first time you can hear the animatronics breathing and you have to figure out where it's coming from and there's also some other reasons why um, children's went missing at the Fredbear, Fredbear's Family Diner and Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. So did you know Purple Guy we were talking about later? Um, he would use to like take children in this like forbidden room and he would like take out a bloody knife and kill them and mm. stuff them in a metal endoskeleton suit. Yeah, and you actually get to learn a lot about this story from the mini games from each of the, the three games that started in number two, um, and then three and four both have some kind of story uh, told through the mini games. Uh, Sister Location was a kind of a direct sequel but a spinoff to it as well where you're in a different facility where they actually rented out the animatronics because the circus baby restaurant didn't work out due to a gas leak uh, this one was a little bit different because you actually got to move around the building and there were some different puzzles that you had to solve in order to not be scared yeah. And then finally, the sixth game is Pizzeria Simulator this where you um own a pizzeria and but still you have to survive the night mm -hmm. and you get to buy your own animatronics buy your own food buy your own stuff and you get more money the more stuff you do and you hear a cursette and you have to try and not get jump scared by these like mm -hmm. salvage animatronics and there's a couple endings to FNAF 6 um, I only know one of them is that you get fired because the building gets burned down because of a child that dies. Mm -hmm. So this one was released December of 2017 is and is the... Right now, the last official game of the series. Uh, Scott Conthens has said that you know there's a possibility for more. He just had to focus a little bit more on some real-life things and kind of wait on this. 
There were two spinoffs to the game. There's Fi uh, FNAF World, which is actually an RPG-style game set in a very fanciful and colorful world, and you build up a team of animatronics, and you have to defeat some creatures, and you get to run into pretty much everybody from the universe. And then there's Ultimate Custom Night, which was released in June of 2018, and this is a free-for-all, build-your-own-scares-type game. Uh, over 50 animatronics from all six, seven of the games, including FNAF World, appear, and you get the five offices from the main games. Uh, it comes with some pre-built challenges, and you can just set whatever you want as well to make it as easy or as hard as you want it to be. And this one's completely free, so it's a good jumping-off point for people interested in the world. So the FNAF World has definitely expanded beyond just a game for being out for only four years this thing had or five years it's certainly blown up into more of a creepypasta status the story that i was reading was based off of a creepypasta that people wrote uh, to fit into the game and kind of explain a little bit more uh there's been a couple other stories that people have told uh there's been a lot of what we'll call knockoff games where people have made their own versions with either similar characters or different characters uh, with maybe some updated graphics and some new twists uh, the fandom is actually pretty big as well, and there's lots of people who do costumes and go to conventions and really live for this world. Uh, but one of the funniest things is actually how it's come into real life, and when Five Nights at Freddy's 3 was coming out, there were some hints in the teaser trailer where people thought that maybe Scott Cawthon was leaving coordinates to somewhere special. So they did all this research, the fans did all this research, and found out that some of the numbers in the trailer added up to a real pizzeria in Virginia. And they kept calling and bugging them and calling because they thought they had found a real Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. And it's actually been featured on a couple real or fake YouTube channels where people have been trying to figure out, was this a real thing? And what's the answer? Um, it's actually fake. I actually watch Bill's channel and he does loads of Five Nights at Freddy's, but sadly they were all fake. And that is the look into the world of Five Nights at Freddy's, a very surprising entry into the horror, survival horror chapter of things. Um, for something that started out as just a, a quick flash game with some basic graphics, uh, you know, 3D graphics, but it still wasn't anything really put into it. It's it's really exploded. So it's nice to see that some of the old horror can come alive and some of our childhood memories can even be attacked in that way when we think about stuff like Chuck E. Cheese or even modern day stuff like Disney World, just how this can translate into certain people's minds. Fairy Tales is written and produced by me. Music is provided by Nicholas Gasparini. New episodes are released every Wednesday. If you do enjoy the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, as well as rate and review. Every bit of feedback is valuable to me, and I will be sure to give you a shout-out on any future shows. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 
Fury Tales 1-3. And of course, check out my Patreon for some member-only rewards and goals I'd like to hit to provide you, my fans, with additional content and higher quality work. And remember, nightmares exist outside of logic. And there's little fun to be had in explanations. They're antithetical to the poetry of fear. Stephen King